But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand, hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you paid the last penny. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord, it endures forever. During his earthly ministry, Lord Jesus Christ, he was full of compassion to the people he served. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without shepherd. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, it says that when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he had felt compassion for them, and he healed their sick. But the same Jesus, who had full of compassion to this large crowd, to the people around them, he did not have nice word to say when it came to the religious leaders. Matthew chapter 23 tells us that Jesus calls them hypocrites, sons of hell, Blind guides, blind fools, whitewashed tombs, serpents, and brutes of viper. He called them out on their hypocrisy because they did not practice what they preached. And the most important reason for using such harsh words against them is because the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they nullified the word of the Lord by their human tradition. In the Sermon of the Mount, Lord Jesus Christ, he exposes that one-sided teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. He teaches the holistic meaning of God's law. He gets to the heart of God's law. And in our scripture reading this morning, he gets the heart of the sixth commandment. And this brings us to the theme of our sermon this morning. Jesus, by teaching us the true meaning of murder, calls us to genuinely love our neighbor. Jesus, by, by teaching us the true meaning of murder, calls us to genuinely love our neighbor. We'll see this truth under two points the external meaning of the murder, and the internal meaning of murder. Let us consider the first point, the external meaning of murder. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is always important that we remember the immediate context of the Sermon of the Mount. 
If you read in chapter 4, at the end of verse 23, it tells us that Jesus was visiting the synagogues and all of Galilee, teaching, preaching, and healing their sick. His fame spread far and wide, and so a large crowd followed him from Galilee, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and even beyond the rivers of Jordan. Seeing this crowd, he goes up to the mountain and begins his teaching there. And even there, we need to keep two important verses for our passage. One is chapter 5, verse 17, which Christ tells us, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And in verse 20, he tells us, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 21, Jesus starts his exposition of God's law. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Let us break down each part of the verse. When Jesus says, you have heard, he's specifically referring to the time when the people heard the scribes reciting the law of Moses. You folks, you have heard God's law read to you. Now the second part, it was said to those of old, which it can be translated as, it is said to the people long ago, it was said to your ancestors. And thus Jesus is saying, you have heard God's law that was said to your ancestors. And he goes on to say, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. The first part of the sentence, you shall not murder. It's a directation from our Ten Commandment. You can see that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. You can also see that in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 17. That's the sixth commandment. But where does the second part of the sentence, whoever murders will be liable to judgment come from? For that, we need to spend some time in the book of Moses. The first five books of the Moses. But since we don't have time for that, I invite you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 19. Please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 19, because this is important, because it's God's law, and this is what Jesus is expounding on. You can find that in page 191. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 1 to 6, and as well as verses 11 to 13. When the Lord your God cuts off the nation, whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you dispossess them, and dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall set apart three cities for yourself in the Lord that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall measure the distance and divide into three parts the area of the land the Lord your God gives you as a possession, so that any manslayer can flee to them. A manslayer is someone who kills another person. This is the provision for the manslayer. 
who by fleeing there may save his life. If anyone kills his neighbor unintentionally without having hated him in the past, as when someone goes into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood and his hand swings the axe to cut, uh, cut down a tree and the head slips from the hand and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he may flee to the one, one of these cities and live. Lest the avenger of blood, again, this is an avenger of blood is someone, a close relative who wants to do justice to the relative. Because the way is long and strike him fatally, though the man did not deserve to die, since he had not hated his neighbor in the past. Now jump with me to verse 11. But if anyone hates his neighbor and lies in wait for him and attacks him and strikes him fatally so that he dies and he flees into one of these cities, then the elders of his city shall send and take him from there and hand him over to the avenger of blood so that he may die. Your high shall not pity him, but you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from Israel so that it may be well with you. You see that, brothers and sisters in Christ, if someone commits a murder, he would be brought, he is brought to the judgment seat. He is liable to judgment. The Jews at the time of Jesus, they had seven men as elders or as judges in a smaller term, in a smaller town, and they had 23 men as elders or judges in a larger town. And these men, elders or judges, they would pronounce judgment or verdict. And hence, the second part of Jesus' statement, whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Here's the sad part. Even though God's law, it talks about hatred, the motive to harm others should be considered as a significant factor to murder, the religious leader, they reduced the sixth commandment to actual killing of a person, not the internal motive. As long as you don't actually kill that person, then you're not breaking the sixth commandment. You see, they have set the bar so low, they have set the standard so minimum that even a seven-year-old child or even a ten-year-old child could say, I never killed a person in real life, so God should give me an A plus when it comes to keeping the sixth commandment. And similarly, we as an adult, we can say the same thing because we watch the nightly news and we see the violence committed all around the world. And we would say, those people in the television, they have the problem with the Sixth Commandment, not us. And if there is a box against the Ten Commandments, we would gladly put a tick in the Sixth Commandment. With this standard, every one of us in this sanctuary would come out in flying colors. That's the external meaning of keeping the Sixth Commandment. Let us understand the internal meaning of the Sixth Commandment. 
Jesus drops the bombshell. In verse 22, he says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. I'm pretty confident when the Pharisees and the scribes, when they heard it, it was a jaw-dropping moment for them. And likewise, when we read the answer 105 of Lord's Day 40, it was a jaw-dropping moment for me personally. Listen to what it says. I am not to belittle, hate, insult, or kill my neighbor, not by my thought, my word, my look, or gesture, and certainly not by actual deeds, I am not to be a party in this and others. Rather, I am to put away all desire for revenge. Now, all of a sudden, it hits hard. It hits us home. Now we realize it's not just the people whom we watch in the television. They have the problem with the Sixth Commandment. We, too, have a serious problem with the Sixth Commandment. And we break the Sixth Commandment more often than we think we do. Let us consider the three points of Jesus' statement. Everyone who is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. I realize that uh, the Pew Bible, it doesn't have, give you uh, the variations, but there is a variation which says, Everyone who is angry with his brother without a cause will be liable to judgment. And more importantly, we know from others, like other scriptures, especially James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it tells us that everyone should be quick to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Even then, we should distinguish between two types of anger. That is this righteous or holy anger, and that is this selfish or unholy anger. Selfish or unholy anger is born out of selfish reason. It is self-centered, and it is always self-seeking. Remember the first murder in the Bible? Cain, he was very angry because God accepted his brother Abel's offering and not his. So what does God say to him in Genesis chapter 4, verses 7 and 8? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. But in the end, Cain, out of selfish anger, he kills his own brother. And behind that anger was hatred. Behind that anger, there was envy towards Abel. And our scripture tells us, brothers and sisters in Christ, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 
And you know that the murderer has no eternal life abiding in him. Now what is a righteous or a holy anger? It is a anger that fights against evil. It is a anger that wants to protect and promote the honor of God. Let me give you another example. Remember Numbers 25, the people of Israel, they commit sexual immorality and they join themselves in Baal worship. But Phineas, the grandson of Aaron, when he sees that, when he sees the Israelite man, Zimri, committing fornication with the Midianite women caused by, he, in his holy anger, he speared both of them into their belly, and he killed them. Unlike Cain, who killed his brother in his unholy anger, Phineas killed the fornicators in his holy anger. He did this for the zeal of God, and God blesses Phineas with an everlasting covenant. Also, think about the many times when Jesus himself was angry with the religious leaders of the day. All of Jesus' anger were righteous and holy. So tell me, Christian, when was the last time you had a righteous and holy anger? Tell me, Christian, when was the last time you had selfish and unholy anger? We are more prone and have tendency to get selfish anger than righteous anger. How quickly, how quickly we get angry with our siblings. How quickly we get angry with our parents. And how quickly, even with our fellow Christians in our church, we get angry if they don't do the things that we need, they, they need to do. And especially how sinful we are when it comes to this anger. And parents, how often do you discipline your children out of selfish anger? My favorite, favorite serial is going on the TV. Do not bother me. Do not pester me. And you whack them. You smack them. That's Selfish anger. The Catechism says, in God's sight, selfish and unholy anger is a disguised form of murder. And Jesus says, selfish and unholy anger is as worthy of punishment as the act of murder itself. We are all guilty before God and we have plenty of murderers in this sanctuary. The next part of Jesus' phrase, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And again, insult in the, in the Greek, if you go see in the Greek, the word that is used there is raka. It means a term of abuse. It is like calling someone dumb head. The New American Standard Bible, it translates raka as you good for nothing. 
Jesus tells us that if we insult our brother with abusive word, then we are liable to the council. The council, it is also known as the Sanhedrin, it was the supreme court of ancient Israel. It was made up of 17 men and the high priest. And in the second temple period, they met in the temple of Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus was tried there before he was sent to Pilate. Let me give you an example. Could you imagine with me for a second? And most of you know that Jared is really talented when it comes to Facebook and other stuff. Me, out of envy, out of hatred, and out of vengeance, for example, I call him, you good for nothing. In that context, during the time of Asian Israel, actually, Jared can put me on a trial, and I am liable to the Supreme Court of United States. That's the council. That's the Sanhedrin. Tell this to the outside world. They would laugh at us. They would mock us. But not God. Because, brothers and sisters in Christ, we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the scripture tells us that whoever says he is in the light and hate his brother, he's still in darkness. I am not to belittle, hate, insult, or kill my neighbor, not my bad thoughts, my word, my look, or gesture, and certainly not by my actual deeds. Jesus sees insulting your brother with an abusive word in the same level as murder itself. He thought keeping the sixth commandment it's like you're playing the baseball and someone throws you a softball and everyone hits a home run. But it's not, that's not the case. We need to rethink about it. Abusive, demeaning word aimed at other person is murder. The third statement, whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. There is a nuance in calling someone a fool because we know that Jesus, he called the religious leaders not just fools, he calls them blind fools. So Jesus would be violating his own teaching here, but that's not the case. He calls them blind fools not because Somehow he feels threatened or insecure by that teaching, but because they were violating God's holy law for the sake of their own tradition. Jesus here is talking about people who insult, who belittle others out of hatred, envy, and jealousy. And how often men if we see someone more talented, more gifted than us in our workplace, what's our natural response to them? We try to mock them, ridicule them, belittle them. 
in God's standard, that's murder, brothers. We are all murderers in heart. And if God judged us by the true meaning of the sixth commandment, we would be guilty. We cannot escape that. But the good news is, and oftentimes it feels too good to be true, that Jesus Christ, he kept the sixth commandment for us. He never belittled, he never hated, he never insulted, he never killed his neighbor in his thought, word, and deed. More than that, he gives his righteousness to us and he takes our blame. And that's why on the cross, he dies. He dies as the one who secretly cursed his neighbor. He dies as the one who hated his brother. Christ died on the cross as a murderer. And the scripture tells us, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And because God judged Jesus Christ, he will never judge us. Christ has taken the full punishment. If you're here today, this morning, oppressed by the sin, feeling burdened by the yoke of the sin, and you think that you are a big failure, come to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy, in, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit. You will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus Christ is the only one who can give the true freedom that we all long for. And praise God that we have Christ Jesus. Praise God that we have his blood. And praise God for his grace. And praise God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is not finished with the sixth commandment. If you see in verses 23 and 24, look with me again, brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you, offer, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You see, Jesus he gives another jab to the Pharisees and the scribes. He explains that violating the sixth commandment will in turn lead to the violation of the second commandment. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were happy, they were content to follow the external rules and protocols of worship. It did not bother them a bit if a man had hatred Henry, anger, 
and selfish vengefulness in his heart. But as long as he does what is right religiously, as long as he follows the religious rites and rituals, for them, he's doing a great job before God. But Jesus, he has a different standard when it comes to worship. It does not start outside. It starts inside with the heart. And Jesus says, if you come to the very altar of God, if you come to the very altar of God, but you know that you have offended a brother, a sister, a fellow Jew, your own countrymen, leave your gift there. Be reconciled with them and then come offer your gift. Only when you're truly reconciled with your brother, God says, I'll accept your offering. One commentator says like this, He that comes to worship his maker, filled with malice and hatred and envy and at war with his brethren, is a hypocritical worshiper and must meet God with God's displeasure. God is not deceived and he will not be mocked. Christian, I ask you, have you forgotten your next door neighbor, your brother who works with you every day at the office for the offense that they committed against you? Have you reconciled with your sibling with the fight that you had with them the other night? Have you moved past the difference that you had with your in-laws? Have you been reconciled with them? The catechism teaches, and it asks us this question, are you patient? Are you peace-loving? Are you gentle and merciful and friendly towards them? And Jesus tells us, when we violate the sixth commandment, we invariably violate the second commandment as well. Listen to 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must love his brother. And finally, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us remember the depth and the true meaning of the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. It covers much more than physical act of murder. It includes thought. It includes words. It includes look. It includes even gesture. That that to try to belittle, hate, insult our neighbor, let us not do that. And let us praise Jesus for his life and his death on the cross, because without which we have no redemption. And let us not merely 
listen to the word and so deceive ourselves do what it says let us love god and our neighbor not in word or talk but in deed and in truth amen let us pray father we thank you for your son lord jesus christ who not only teaches us what it means to keep the sixth commandment but he kept it for us and he died in our place as a murderer we ask you that you would remove envy hatred and unholy anger from our hearts and by the help of your holy spirit you would enable us to love our neighbors as ourselves in jesus name we pray amen